It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. And on today's show, we're joined by Nick Crane of Forbes.com covering the Oklahoma City Thunder and all about the restart in Disney World. Nick, how are you doing today? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Excited to talk a little Thunder basketball. I think we're all starved for some content after three months of, of nothing to talk about. And we have had that three-month layoff, and we've seen some positive tests here in this week uh, and some players accidentally breaking quarantine and things like that. Uh, but how are you feeling right now as we sit a week out from scrimmages and a couple weeks out from games uh, that this restart will happen and finish uh, with limited or no issues? I still remain pretty confident uh, despite this week's you know, accidental breaking of quarantines. I think that this will uh, start on time and end on time, and they'll get the season put behind them. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I think that everything that's happened to this point was probably planned for. I think the league, as they kind of drew out the plans for the bubble, knew, um, especially on the on the front of people testing positive and, and quarantine guidelines and getting everybody in the bubble safely, I think all of that was accounted for, so no shock there. And I'm sure they assumed that, you know, when you put rules down, rules are broken. Um, you know, even early on, guys are breaking these rules and it's going to continue to happen, I'm sure. Um, so I think all of this was accounted for. I, to this point, you know, things can change pretty quickly. There's nothing in my mind that, that makes me even consider this is going to be uh, rolling and on time. So I think we're still good to go. So something I'm not sure that we've planned for is how much uh, positivity is surrounding Andre Robertson and his return to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, and to this point right now, he's been practicing for four straight days. Uh, he'll hopefully practice the rest of this week. Uh, and for the first time in two years, I am very optimistic about him returning to play and what he can be. I'd say I'm about 70 to 80% confident we'll see him in game action. What percentage would you consider yourself at? Gosh, it's so hard to say just because, I mean, you look back at that media day before the season started, before training camp, um, you know, he's saying he's full go. Um, 
going to see him in some preseason action, all that stuff. And of course that doesn't happen. So there's certainly setbacks that could still arise. I would say I'm the most confident I've been in him returning since the actual injury itself back in January of 2018. I'd say I'm more 55, 60% confident in him coming back. I think, like you said, it's been a lot of optimism um, from coach, from his teammates, from especially Lou Dort, a guy that said he spent a lot of time with Andre this season, learning the tricks of the trade and how to play solid defense in the league. And it's, it's cool for him to see Dre on the court now. So it's, it's promising that he's on the court. He's fully participating. It's the first five on five. I believe he's played since the injury. So assuming all goes well, I think that we'll get to see him and it's, it's super exciting for the team. And he's a huge piece depending on how he comes back. But um, no, I think you're right. The optimism is, is certainly something that Thunder fans should be excited about. Yeah. So I was with you, you know, 50, 50, 50 percent chance that he'd play, uh, but I got, I'm going to be honest, I got wrapped up in that optimism around Billy Donovan and, and the players, his teammates, uh, because that's, that's really something we haven't seen uh, in these two years. Our players explicitly saying he looks good, he looks ready to go. Uh, Dennis yesterday saying he has it and things like that. It's something we haven't explicitly seen uh, players kind of put that, I don't want to say pressure, but, but that pressure on them uh, to, to continue to play. Uh, so let's work on the assumption that he is going to return and he is going to play. And I feel like there's two sides of this and they're both uh, maybe extreme. Uh, you've got the fans who are very excited and think that he's going to return and he's going to be that elite defender. He's going to be an X factor for this squad. And then you have other people who think that he'll be lucky to play 10 minutes tonight and that he will have a regression defensively. Uh, and that, you know, again, 10 minutes tonight, regression defensively, and we'll see how playable he is as he works back into game shape. I'm more so in the camp that we're going to be lucky to see him, uh, you know, in a, in a game action atmosphere for like, 10 minutes a night, uh, but where do you fall on that? And how do you see this all playing out with Andre in terms of uh, how many minutes will he play and how effective will he be on the floor? Yeah, I'm, I'm probably somewhere in the middle. So there's certainly the two spectrums. Like you said, there's the fans that think he's going to come back and be first team all defense. And then there's the others that are saying, you know, even if he does come back, there's no way that he's going to be as effective. He's only going to get 10 minutes a night, yada, yada, yada. But what you have to consider is this team really, really, really lacks wing depth. You know, you've got guys like uh, Abdul Nader. You've got guys that are forced to play kind of a pseudo three, even when it's not their main position. And you look at Lou Dort has started quite a few games at the three. Terrence Ferguson has started at three. Um, we've even seen Shea play some three and those quite frankly, aren't their position. You know, Shea is a, is a combo guard. Lou Dort played a lot of point guard in college, and now he's being asked to play wing. Um, Terrence Ferguson is a natural two having to play three because of this. There, there's just not a whole lot of true small forward depth. There's a lot of guys that play small forward on this team. But regardless, if Dre comes back, and in my opinion, I think he will be a serviceable defender. Um, while he may lose a step and may not be that great great on-ball defender he still knows how to rotate with the defense the defensive schemes are, are likely the same as they were whenever he was playing a couple years back um, he's, he's watched all these games so it's not like he's gonna lose the rotations and, and lose the fundamentals and how to play defense so regardless even if he comes back a step slower having a true small forward although Dre has played a lot of two in his career a, a true small forward a guy that can can guard true small forwards, has that size, has that length. 
I think he comes back about 80% of the defender he was, which is was plenty good for this team just to fill some minutes. Um, he's a great cutter on offense. He's not a great three-point shooter. He doesn't space the floor. Um, but he's still a guy that that isn't going to, you know, hold on to the ball, make the offense stagnant. He, he's good at swinging the ball, you know, decent reverse. He doesn't kill the offense, which is what a lot of guys do that, that aren't great on the offensive end, and that's not him. So if I were to guess – um, you know, we could also see him play a little bit of power forward too, uh, behind Danilo Gallinari. So that's another way he could get minutes. I see Dre if, if he does come back and play, and I think the scrimmages will be very, very telling here in a couple weeks. I see him playing anywhere from 18 to 20 minutes. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Lockdown Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in LA, and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. So you talk about the offense, and I know this might get a little bit too X's and O's uh, for most people listening, but I think that this offense, if he's healthy, if he can play all those qualifiers out the window, I think that this offense uh, is really suited for him and his style of play because while he can't shoot obviously uh, whenever you're not playing iso ball whenever you're moving and flowing as much as this uh, team has done this season under Chris Paul and Billy Donovan uh, it limits uh, the amount of times that you are sagging off of Dre if everyone's moving and rotating and swinging the ball around uh, that you can't just leave Dre in a corner if you're a defender uh, and attack the pain or, or attack the ball handler because you know he can't shoot whenever Dre's a great cutter and people are moving and switching spots. Do you think that this offense uh, is, is suited uh, to kind of hide Andre? I know we talked a lot about uh, hiding guys defensively, and for Andre, it's the opposite. Uh, can this offense hide him offensively? It's a great point. You know, you look at the teams that Dre has played with. This is the first team in his entire career where there's not a 20-point-per-game score. Of course, you know, Shea is pretty close. Gallo is pretty close. But – it's the first year that you don't have an ISO ball, 20-plus point score. Um, you know, the Kevin Durant, the Russell Westbrooks, the Paul Georges of the world. So I think you, you're, you're onto something there where this offense might be better suited for him. The way they swing the ball, play as the team. Dre knows how to get to his spots. We talk a lot about him being a great cutter. It's more than that. It's whenever the ball is being moved, he's got a good nose for, for where to go. That's something that I think Terrence Ferguson could take from him. You know, Ferg seems to not always be in the right place at the right time, whereas I think Dre will be. So I think with, especially with guys like Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Chris Paul, and Dennis Schroeder, not to mention Gallinari and, and Steven Adams, who are underrated passers in their own, there's so many great passers on this team that I think a guy like Dre, you know, he's not going to score 18 tonight but a guy like Dre that can get to those spots and find himself in a, in a good place to score the basketball around the rim with the amount of passing this team has he might be the best 
offensive player or, or be put in the position to be the best offensive player that we've seen his entire career. And so shifting over to another wing, and that's Darius Baisley. Uh, and again, it feels like there's two camps on this. There's a side uh, that thinks that the Thunder should take this time to prioritize getting him minutes and getting him that experience. And then there's a side that, that doesn't think he's ready to play big minutes for a competitive team. Uh, for me, I am in the camp of prioritizing getting Baisley as many minutes as you can. And it's a tough balancing act for Billy Donovan. Uh, but I do want to see Baisley play a lot in Orlando. It seems as though he's healthy uh, from that injury. Uh, do you value Den uh, Darius Baisley's minutes here in, in, here in Orlando? It's a tough question. Um, I'm going to answer it two different ways. So historically, Billy Donovan has not played rookies a ton of minutes in the playoffs, and he doesn't play a ton of guys that can't play defense. You know, we saw Ennis Cantor several years back in Oklahoma City was excellent offensively, but couldn't guard anybody, didn't get a ton of minutes in the playoffs. We saw, um, you know, rookies like Terrence Ferguson and, and even guys before him, unless there was a direct need for them to play minutes or there was injuries or what have you, rookies don't get a lot of minutes on this team. However, considering the direction of the team, uh, it's no longer – you know, building around these superstars and trying to contend now. I think Oklahoma City wants to win games now. I know that they're not going to be a championship contender in the playoffs. Um, maybe their focus does, does shift a little bit. Maybe, you know, in the past, they wouldn't play those rookies. Maybe they think now, yeah, we might uh, be playing a guy that, that shouldn't be playing this many playoff minutes or can't guard a four like we like in the playoffs, but it's good experience. So, I guess if I were to answer your question, directly, um, do I think Oklahoma City should play Baisley quite a few minutes of experience? Yes. Do I think that's the way the team is going to kind of look at the, the rotations? I don't know. Um, if, if they're going off and they've looked at things historically, I don't see them playing a ton of minutes. But if, if they are shifting their – like we've talked about, I think it's a perfect time to give him minutes. And I also think perfect time – we've talked a lot about the – the, the lack of depth at small board, if you ask me, Darius Baisley is a guy that long-term is going to be a small forward in this league if he's going to be as good as I think he can be, not, not a power he's playing a lot now. So that's interesting. I want to talk about that too because on this podcast I've said that you know Baisley hasn't gotten to show what he can be in this league because you look at what Baisley was coming into this league, a great playmaker, and that's really been his MO throughout his career so far, has been a playmaker, and he hasn't been able to – really showcase that whenever you're sharing the floor with guys like Shea, Chris Paul, and Dennis all at the same time. Uh, I still value D uh, Darius as a possible uh, cornerstone or at least a, a possible long-term starter for this team. Where is your value at with Darius Baisley? So for me, again, it comes down to what type of player he molds himself into. I think if he works on his game – with the objective of being a long-term kind of pseudo power forward, a stretch four, I think his ceiling is a little bit limited. At that point, I look at him kind of like a Harry Giles. I think Baisley is a little ball handler and playmaker than Harry Giles, but that's the kind of player that I see him being. Now, if he decides I'm going to get out of my comfort zone, this took awkward for a couple years, but I'm going to transition to more of a small forward. I think Darius Baisley could not only be a starter for a long time, but he could be a guy that could, you know, be a 
16 and eight a night time type of guy. I don't, I don't think, I don't think he'll ever be an all-star. I, I just don't see his ceiling that high, although it's probably a hot take considering how young he is and how raw he is. Um, but if he does kind of convert to a true small forward, we've seen his ball handling skills um, throughout his high school mixtapes and, and different combines. And even in practice, you see him playing some one-on-one. He's got ball skills. He's got a step-back jumper in his bag. He, he's got a lot of things he can do that we don't see on the court. And, and you make a good point. A, 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 good, a good reason we don't see that might be because of who's surrounding him. So here in a couple years, if you know Chris Paul's out of the picture, Gallinari's out of the picture, Schroeder's out of the picture, and the ball in his hands more and he has a higher usage rate and we get to see some more of those things, I think that the perception of Baisley could certainly change, but I, I do see him at minimum being a starter for this team for quite a while. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So on this podcast, I've been really beating the drum uh, about the expectation level because I understand that if you would have asked me this question back in September, I would have laughed at you. But what is your expectation level heading into the bubble? Because for me, I've been saying that it's the second round or bust. It'll be a little bit disappointing if they don't reach the second round for the first time since Kevin Durant left. Understanding that this year, point blank, is house money, that whatever happens in Orlando uh, doesn't really uh, matter, so to say, and it's not going to feel as devastating as it was whenever Russ would lose in the first round and PG would lose in the first round. Uh, but I do think that the bottom line is what we've seen on the floor from this team, judging them just about this season and not about the expectation before the season, I think that they are good enough and they should be a second round team short of matching up with an LA team in the first round, which seems highly, highly unlikely. Are you still looking at this as house money or do you think that there should be a level of expectation for this team to be a second round team in Orlando? No, I think it's certainly it's house money. I, I don't think there, there should be any expectations surrounding this team. I think if, if Oklahoma City were to go get swept in the first round, I think, and, and I know, they've, they've far exceeded their expectations. They were a team that uh, in Vegas was projected 31 and a half wins this season, and, and they blew that out of the water. So it's, it's definitely house money. Um, you compared this team to past teams, and I, I would almost say those past teams weren't really teams, especially in the playoffs. It was so much iso ball that it was disgusting. This the first true team that plays team basketball that we've seen quite a few years. Um, you see the offensive load being uh, spread across the board. Um, they play very, very well together. Their chemistry is great. On the topic of expectations of them being in the second round, barring them not playing an L.A. team, I don't know if I completely agree with the fact that, that they could get out of the first round against anybody um, not inside of L.A. Um, one big reason, and, and you know this, yesterday Dennis Schroeder mentioned that his, his wife is for uh, another child here in three to four weeks, which is going to line up um, probably right about the end of the, this eight-game regular season into the playoffs. So 
you know, assuming he's gone for three or four days and then has to quarantine for, you know, a minimum of around a week, assuming that he doesn't test positive, track the virus, you're looking at Dennis Schroeder missing two, three, maybe four games minimum in the playoffs. And if that's the case, I don't see this team beating really in the first round. He carries the bench. Um, if you look at the, the total bench scoring for this team and how much of that Dennis does, it's, it's astronomical. Um, I, I see this team struggling a lot without Dennis, without that bench spot. Um, I just don't see how they would get out of the first round without him. And, and let me take a step back and say I fully support Dennis. I think Thunder fan support Dennis. This is just a game. Family comes first. So I applaud him and, and getting his priorities straight. But he's a big X factor to me. If he plays the entire you know extent of the playoffs, this team could certainly get out of the first round. If he doesn't or misses a few games, I don't see it happening especially with, you know, Houston being a bad matchup. I think they're going to get tired as the playoffs go on. They're going to beat these guys into the ground and play seven games all of the playoffs. But if you catch them in the first round when they're fresh, that's scary. The Nuggets, extremely scary. Jokic in the playoffs uh, the last couple of years has been incredible. Um, I think if the Thunder match up against the Jazz, which is who they'd be matched up with right now, You've got a shot with with Bojan Bogdanovic not playing. I think if somehow Oklahoma City rose a little endings and caught the Mavericks, I think the Mavericks are extremely talented, but the playoff experience, like a guy like Chris Paul would lead this team and Danilo Gallinari would lead So outside of the Jazz and the Mavericks, I w- if I was a betting man, I would not have Oklahoma City advancing past the first round. So – Shifting into this offseason, which you're right, it matters a lot more, you know, the offseason does than what happens in Orlando. Uh, so this offseason, the, the cap is supposed to shrink. We both agree with that. And we're not sure the quick turnaround. Uh, there's been rumors of the season starting in March and also starting on like December 1st. So who knows right now when the season's going to get going. But if you had the bet right now, is Chris Paul on this team on opening day for 2020-2021? Mm. Um. <laughs> I made this bet last summer and said that he wouldn't be on the team the first day of the 2019-20 season. Um, I'm going to say the opposite now. I think he will be on the roster at the beginning of next season. Um, We've seen reports of interest from teams like the Knicks. To me, it doesn't make sense. I know the Knicks have done a lot of dumb things in the past with their front office. I, I don't. For, for them to target Chris Paul just as a leader and pay him that kind of money, I, I don't see that being a smart move for them. Just the size of his contract, it's, it's going to be very, very, very tough to move him without moving assets with him. And considering Presty got a couple picks and a couple pick swaps, I don't see him dumping Chris Paul and losing some of those same assets to do so unless he's getting a young guy or a really high pick those kinds of things so Chris Paul more than likely um, I've also seen some things where maybe the uh, 76ers do an Al Horford swap for Chris Paul and and maybe give Oklahoma City that pick that they're going to convey to them um, because of their record assuming the 76ers don't finish the season strong so I would say long story short uh, I do see Chris Paul still being on this roster at the beginning of next season. 
because he's not going to be a, a hot commodity on the trade market, not because other teams don't want him, just because of the size of that contract. So wrapping up the show the same way that I think every Thunder conversation wraps up, are you on Team Tank or not Team Tank? Oh, man. Um, I, I would say, and this is a cop-out answer, I'm right in the middle. I think that especially the way the draft lottery is set up now, even if you tank, you don't have these extremely high odds to get that number one pick or even a top pick. I think that the strategy Oklahoma City had this season where it's like we've got a good team. If we play well, we play well, and that's what's happened. If we don't play well, you know, we tank, we get a higher pick. That's great too, but it's, it's not good for the culture and for young guys like Shea to directly tank and, and build – these teams or get rid of guys to, to make the team worse. So I think um, somewhere in the middle, you know, for a Thunder fan, that's probably the best way to look at it too, because if you use a game, it's like, great. It's another ball in the lottery machine. If you win a game, you know, everybody loves winning. So I would say somewhere in the middle, I think if a couple seasons from now or, or next in the Thunder were to miss the playoffs fairly, um, they hit on a pick. I think that would be worth it to, still be competitive, still instill that uh, winning culture young guys, but still be able to, to cash in on a lottery pick with the new odds. Nick, this was great. Let them know where they can find your work and find all the stuff that you do. So on Twitter, I'm at CraneMBA. Um, if you want to see any of my um, articles or stories, you can just Google my name, uh, Nick Crane, and put the word Forbes, and you can see um, all of my articles there. Um, Ryland, I appreciate you having me on. It was a lot of fun. It was awesome, man. I appreciate it. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder. Perfect ending to a historic day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.